in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name is Christopher Brown. Kickstart and Lucio Fulci's horror career. He got this job after numerous genre efforts. Zombie Flesh Eaters, known, also known as Zombie 2, to cash in on the success of Dawn of the Dead in Europe, and Zombie in America. It's a nasty Italian zombie horror movie from 1979. With plenty of quality. It's a hot, sweating grubby. And while this film was sold off the back of Dawn of the Dead, which had a clinical look to the shopping mall and zombies that were painted bluey-grey, Zombie Flesh Eaters is in the jungle, amongst the dirt and heat and zombies rotting before our eyes, all of which are clay effects, created on the cheap by the great Giannetta de Rossi. Ahoy there! This is the Harbour Patrol! Anyone on board? She looks abandoned. Is something big? That's just what we'd like to know. One more step and I'm going to blast you. Now freeze where you are. Yes, it's my father's boat. And uh, how long since you last spoke to him? Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Anne's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. That's not a cool place to hit. Natives claim it's cursed. They avoid it like the plague. I'm going to tell everyone that you're the one who's crazy. A demented, cruel, evil son. What exactly did my father die of, Dr. Minor? And the boat's crew, what happened to them? What's this about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time? These islands, fantastic legends, voodooism, zombies. Been right for centuries. Voodoo's just superstitious horseshoe. Now, whatever it is, it makes the dead stand up and walk. I've seen it with my own eyes. When the earth spit out the dead, they will come back to suck the blood from the living.
the dead stand up and walk. The story begins with a boat that's arriving in New York. It's abandoned, but two guards are attacked by a zombie that's on board. Meanwhile, Anne Bowles, played by Tisa Farrow, who is Mia Farrow's sister and also appeared in Anthropopagus, is looking for a father who's gone missing while on a trip in Antilles. Detectives don't know what's going on. So she meets with a journalist called Peter West, who's played by Ian McCulloch, who also appeared in Contamination. And they decide to investigate what might have happened to her father. When they get to, the Ma- to Matul Island, they meet up with a scientist called Dr. David Menard, who's played by the hauntings Richard Johnson. He's trying to find a cure to a disease that brings the dead back to life and makes them into flesh-eating ghouls. The zombies start closing in on their jungle location, though. And meanwhile, in New York, it appears that the monsters are also closing in on the city. <laughs> was actually written before Dawn of the Dead and was released in Italy as an action adventure thriller really uh, it, you know it, it kind of linked itself only to uh, Dawn of the Dead through it, the way it's been sold in its title rather than any actual proper links to uh, the Romero Argento movie these opening and closing scenes which take place in New York were actually added to the script later when the producers wanted to kind of cash in on the success of Dawn. During that shooting, Captain Haggerty, who plays a large bald zombie who attacks the harbour patrol in the film, apparently walked into CBGB's, the, uh, the punk rock venue, which was doing uh, at its height at that stage, in full zombie makeup, complete with fake blood, and mud caked over his face and body. But no one, uh, no one really noticed because uh, they just thought he was kind of rocking a new style. It's a big goof, actually, that the ending of the film as well, that apparently hordes are um, kind of stumbling across the Brooklyn Bridge at the end of the film. Uh, and, you know, a state of emergency is being called on the local radio because they're overran with zombies. But uh, the traffic still flows freely. 
and uh, that was because of but you know they basically didn't have enough money and this kind of, these kind of extra bits were kind of tagged on For full sheet, the film marked a breakthrough, leading to a flurry of horror films with similar tropes. He'd already made Don't Torture a Duckling, so he'd had experience with making strong horror films, which is why he got this role, this job. Um, the films, this this film though, uh, was the Kickstarter for a purple patch in his career, of uh, films that tended to feature the undead, extreme violence, and downbeat endings. His release features that he made from like a five-year period between 79 and 83 were mostly scripted by Italian screenwriter Dardano Sacretti. Previously, Fulci was a bit of a gun for hire, you know, making whatever genre movies that he could. But with this batch of extreme cinema, he set out his own reputation and literally became famous around the world and is still to this day a cult figure. He actually appears briefly as a news editor in the scene in the uh, New York newspaper office. The other story that comes from that is the fact that they'd actually uh, interrupted Rupert Murdoch while they were filming and he angrily pushed them out of the office. The film has um, some big kind of showstopper scenes. Although, you know, that final scene, I think, where the zombies are approaching New York is, is one of the ones that uh, people, people love and, and, you know, it's a classic apocalyptic image now. But uh, it's the gore stuff, really, from De Rossi, which uh, most people will remember. Uh, an eyeball puncturing by Splinter. And uh, a zombie attacking a real shark. That eyeball scene still it actually has a lot of power and works very well it's kind of a, it's because it's so slow and excruciating as the uh, the woman's head is slowly pulled back to the splinter I think as well you don't really expect that to happen in a zombie film you expect people to be torn apart and eaten rather than uh, something so vicious and of course horror and violence towards eyes remains a trope throughout Fulci's films from here, particularly in the Gates of Hell trilogy, for example being forced to be blind from uh, looking into the beyond. Then this is zombie versus shark scene, which is kind of um, seen today with uh, you know, kind of a, a nudge and a wink as being a bit silly. It was filmed in a large saltwater tank, actually, and the shark was uh, fed horse meat and sedatives before filmed to kind of keep implicated. The fact that it's a real man, though, fighting a real shark just adds to how far the filmmakers were willing to go. And um, it's certainly one of the reasons why the uh, the film is kind of so popular now. And if you go on YouTube, that, that scene pops up again and again and again. And I think the main reason for that is that people are just like, so like, you think it just is quite crazy, really. And I think that's kind of what it's meant to be. It's been so highlighted so many times that I think the, uh, the kind of double bluff about the shark and then the zombie is, uh, is kind of missed, really. It's, um, I wouldn't say it's the most, intelligent scene after all features a shark fighting as a zombie but at the same time there's kind of a I suppose it's kind of in a trope that the, you know there's a different menace out there that's more serious than the ones that you'd normally find in the natural world is definitely there 
actually released zombie flesh eaters in the uk uh obviously zombie 2 in europe and zombie with an e in america and uh, over here and also in america it was considered basically standalone films with none of the, the tie-ins the Romero movie um the theatrical trailer for for in america had the tagline we are going to eat you and showcase some of the makeup effects but didn't actually explain what the story was about it was originally shown in their theatres and drive-ins in the summer of 80 from a distributed Jerry Gross organisation, which is now gone. The tagline was, When the world spits out the dead, they will return to tear the flesh of the living. Uh, an echo of uh, Romero's When there's no room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. As shown in trailers before the film, though, they, they, they used the old school bath bags for uh, to kind of uh, drum up some support, insinuating that it was so extreme that people would be sick while watching it. The film was followed by another official, well, one official sequel, although there were lots of movies in the zombie trilogy. We've already spoke about Anthropopagus uh, being, zo- being titled as a zombie film, and also um, its sequel. Uh, absurd, which was in that zombie series, actually the uh, uh, the, the set, you know number six, whereas Afropopagus was number seven, which just goes to show, goes to show that there's not a lot of thought going goes into this kind of thing. With Zombie Three, though, it's all, and which is also known as Zombie Flesh Eaters here in the UK, Zombie Flesh Eaters Two, I should say. Uh, full sheet is cited to direct it in the opening credits, but apparently he only directed bits and bobs, uh, complaining that the script kept on changing. He originally filmed 70 minutes of footage. According to uh, the person who took over, Bruno uh, Matai, who um, kind of added a lot of sci-fi elements and action and, and made it look a bit sillier, really. He, um, he About 15 minutes of the footage is still in the film. Uh, Fulshi would have uh, it, you know, effectively disowned the movie, though, said so nothing to do with it. It's uh, it's not a great film. It's kind of unintentionally funny and does feature a lot of stock footage to pad out, which is a uh, something you see a lot in Matai films. What's really surprising is, though, that 
Although obviously it kind of is described as being a uh, you know a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. I mean, I'm not, there isn't really a lot of links. It is incredibly dark and really quite bleak in comparison to Zombie Flesh Eaters. Its biggest skill is to um, move itself away from any kind of comic tone that Ramirez thread through his horror and just go for bloody, muddy and horrid. Our zombies have a layer on layer of clay and mug baked into them, with worms and maggots coming out of eye sockets. They don't feast on people or jump out like they do in Romero's films. They gang up and tear victims apart. Full Sheep, for a mixture of accidents and design, managed to create a horror action film that takes no prisoners. It gleefully shocks and appalls its audience, and takes a simple idea and escalates it. Unlike the Gates of Hell trilogy that will follow this, there is no dreamlike quality to it. We're right here in the dirt and the grime and the humidity, and the film is all the better for that. The camera spins in fright at the violence before lingering in terror at the gore, unable to look away. Between Sergio Salvati's cinematography and Vincenzo Tomasi's editing, Fulci's version of the film is far more than a gory zombie rip-off. Indeed, there are those out there that prefer it to Dawn's uh, comic book style. I mean, after all, you know, you wouldn't see a um, a pie fight in uh, in zombie flesh eaters. The uh, the zombies wouldn't even give you a chance. The cinema version was passed X by the BBFC in 1979 with 14 seconds of cut, 14 cuts, sorry, totaling 1 minute and 46 seconds. That's the eye gouge and the feasting mainly. The X-rated cinema version was released on video by Vipco in 1980. Then Vipco issued the strong uncut version in 81 at a, a premium price, which went on the last list in October 83 and stayed on the list throughout the panic. There are rumours that the film was actually um, escorted off the country when it arrived. How true that could possibly be, considering the fact there was a cinema version, though, I don't know. It's been it's something that's been mentioned a few times, but uh, I can never actually see the collaborative evidence. But uh, I'm sure, you know, if enough people say it, there must be some elements of truth to it. The heavily cut cinema version was passed 18 and 92 and 96. It was re-released in disc line, video in 99, with most cuts restored, but with still 23 seconds remaining. Missing, sorry, not remaining. Uh, it was, uh, that was to, definitely, specifically to the, uh, the splinter in the eyeball and the feasting scene. It was finally passed on court in 2005, released as box the band Seth from Anchor Bay, and is now actually available in a very nice Arrow, uh, Arrow Films releasing, um, Blu-ray and Steelbook for fans of that kind of thing. It is a, a very good looking film. And um you really notice how this is not just a you know a cheap cash in. Indeed it wasn't originally planned as a cash in at all. It, you know, it's just how that was sold really with a couple of scenes added in. And you know, full she'd gone all out to make something that was a bit special.
Just a little bit of feedback, um, this one from Rob Wilson. Hey Chris, full she zombie flesh eaters is a rough one for me to critique. It certainly isn't without flaw. I saw it first in the mid 80s on a murky VHS. Oddly enough, not a whole lot was deleted. It was at a time when I wasn't used to Italian horror. I think it takes time. I wasn't sure what to think. It was visually mind blowing, the dialogue was a bit off. Today is a go-to film for me, kick back and just enjoy. The Blue Underground Blu-ray is a dream come true got it when it came out watched it at least four times since a plus soundtrack that zombie versus shark scene is still crazy 35 years on what a must have cheers for that rob i think a lot of people have kind of feeling like that as well um, i remember being really take mean like a romero fan when i and then like you know watching this is one of my first introductions really to italian horror and being kind of taken aback by you know how different it really was and Kind of felt a little bit out of my depth, I think, probably the first time. But it is a it is a great movie, and of course that soundtrack as well um, by uh, Fabio Frizi. Um, there's a great um, vinyl version of that record if you can find it uh, from a Death Waltz Records. I think it's sold out now, but it is. If you can see it on eBay, it is it is absolutely stunning and uh, worth a look, definitely. <laughs> Also thanks to uh, for the kind words from um, 
Willy Bob on Twitter it's at Perry six uh, at Perry five nine five, who um, saying that on Twitter that he thinks uh, this is probably the best Lucio Fulci movie and one and the best zombie movie ever as well. So uh, thanks very much for that. I'm glad to, and I, I do know the film has some fantastic fans and uh, um, you know uh, it is in, it held in such high regard. I think it is one of, definitely in my mind as well, one of Fulci's best. Okay, just a quick announcement. Um, I'm going to, uh, the Vigilancy podcast is taking a two week break um, this week from this week. Um, basically, uh, I'm on holiday, so uh, sorry about that. Um, if you want to get hold of me in the, in the meantime, though, please do. My email address is uh, videonassispodcast at gmail.com uh, or you can go to the website videonassispodcast.com or you can get me on Twitter it's at orange underscore monkey so we'll be back on the uh, the 6th of July and the movie we're going to be uh, looking at is um, another Diodato movie um, the other film that's on the list that isn't Cannibal Holocaust basically uh, it features a couple of actors that you already know, uh, and has a, a a reputation, shall we say. It's the house by the edge of the park. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on video? Oh, you never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time.